Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special Zoom conversation, One Night in Miami. Uh, I am very, very honored to be hosting this. My name is Cheats uh, from the Cheats Movement, and I'm not going to belabor the point. We're going to get right into it. One Night in Miami is a thought-provoking movie. It is based off a stage play with the same name by Kemp Powers. It stars Leslie Odom as Sam Cooke, Kingsley Ben-Adir as Malcolm X, Eli Gori as Cassius Clay, later known as Muhammad Ali, Aldous Hodge as Jim Brown. It is the directorial debut of all-world everything, Black girl magic, Black woman magic, Regina King. She's won just about every award you can win, and she's staring down the Oscars, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, with this film. The film is set on the night of February 25th, 1964. It is the night where then Cassius Clay upset Sonny Liston to become heavyweight champion of the world. After the fight, Sam Cooke, Jim Brown, uh, Cassius Clay, and Malcolm X meet back at Malcolm's hotel room at the Hampton House and have a conversation regarding the plight of the Black community. This film has so many themes. It has so many layers. Um, and there is so much to get into. I have a wonderful, wonderful, distinguished panel of guests. More will be joining. Everybody's on mute right now, but I wanted to take this opportunity to thank them and welcome to the conversation. So everybody, welcome. We're about to get right into it. And I want to start with the very first question that is open to the floor. Anybody can take it. But there are so many themes in this film. I wanted to know for the group, how the conversation, the dialogue, the moment becomes relatable from 1964 to 2021. We have dealt with a lot in this past year. We're dealing with a lot as we speak. I don't, there are a lot of parallels, I believe, that make the film relatable. But what stands out to you is how the film obviously depicting 1974 is relatable to 2021. And I've got a bonus question. Which of the four main characters, Sam Cooke, Jim Brown, Malcolm X, um, Cassius Clay, then Muhammad Ali, which character do you feel you identify the most with and is the most relatable with? Anybody can start. Anybody, anybody had a, had a burn. If you have a burning uh, desire to start, please do so. If not, I'm going to call on Don Trees. <laughs> Anybody got a burning desire to start about how this film translates 2021? Uh, I can say so. Let's go. Let's go, Ron. Um, I don't. I think, sadly enough, most black conversations in movies, no matter when they were, are going to be the same. So the problems we had back then, we still have it right now. So the conversations are going to be the same. That's just my two cents on that. Um, I got, um, one, uh, one of the issues I seen brought up in the movie that I feel is really relatable to today is, um, the issue of, I guess, uh, black, uh, celebrities or people with black people with a lot of social clout, uh, leading by example instead of, um, leading like out outwardly like like uh like a Malcolm X would do. That was a conversation that Malcolm X and um Sam Cooke was having going back and forth. Like Sam Cooke's main I, I feel like his main point was like he's, you know, leading by example and Malcolm was like, you know, wanting him to express that 
rather than uh, you know letting people guess that about his about his char- his character. So I, th- I think that's one of the you know the things we deal with in the black community a lot is like you know we a lot of people expect or want certain prominent uh, black voices to to speak out more rather than uh, just saying yo well I'm an example of um, empowerment and what you you know what you can do. I'll jump in um, and what's up again, everybody. Um, One thing that if you had, if you take the costume away, the wardrobe away and just listen to uh, the context of what was happening, what was happening in the sixties is exactly what would have been. um, It it identifies exactly what was happening in this moment. And one of the big charges that I felt the struggle that I felt was happening in the conversation is you had one person saying what other people ought to do and how they ought to be able to use their voice, their platforms and their social, political capital and power. And so uh, what the brother was saying is true. We do. We kind of think of that on a celebrity level, but even locally. And us, uh, we have these conversations of, you have 5,000 Facebook friends, you should post this, you should talk about um, what's happening in the social justice movement or in the civil, in, in the civil rights movement. And everyone doesn't want to use their platform in that manner. Um, everyone doesn't feel the same responsibility to amplify voices in that way. One of the things that I thought, as far as which character I personally identify with, to be honest, at different points in our life, perhaps we are all we have been all of those folks, right? I see a Sam, the Sam Cook character as I know I, I could do more, but I'm doing it this way. I'm able to, but I also want to be able to fit in just enough and um and have some level of acceptance just enough by my own people. Cause sometimes, you know, we turn our back and nowadays, well, we, we are in a cancel culture, but that might not have been the language that was used in the sixties. Um, this was a black man that had quote unquote made it at a time when a lot of people wasn't. So maybe he didn't want to rock the boat so much. And sometimes I feel like everybody is not even today. People just want to do enough to get by they have a lot of self-interest and it's okay to take care of your family and want to, and to obtain wealth, but maybe we don't want to shake the boat too much. And so I see Sam on one end of it. I see Mal, I, I see Cassius character or the character that was uh, at, at that moment in time, he was teetering. Right. And a lot of us often do that. We got one foot on one side and one foot on the other side. We ultimately know how it, it the true story goes. Right. Um, but sometimes we are often lukewarm about things. And Muhammad's character or Cash's character was kind of lukewarm between if he was truly ready to um, to, de- to to vote himself and his platform into the nation of Islam, the responsibilities that was going to bear, or did he want to go and joyride and take a shot? And honestly, maybe we all kind of toe those lines sometimes. And then you have the far extreme of Malcolm. Most of us will probably say, oh yeah, I identify with that. But do we really, are we really charging people um, to get in and to do quote unquote this work or that work? Did That's a good point, Mimi. Did anybody else, uh, because everything for me somehow or some way always falls back to hip hop in some way. 
Did anybody look at Sam Cook's character and the way Sam Cook was trying to maneuver in a business platform and maneuver with different avenues? Did anybody see a, a modern day parallel to Jay Z? Did anybody did kind of pick up with the, Jay, with the with well, you know, the interesting part that stood out to me, and, and anybody can pick up on that was there's a there's scenes in the film that talk about how Sam Cook got to be Sam Cook. And it was kind of he, you know, he obviously was a gospel, he was a gospel, very, very famous gospel singer, and then did the R and B charts, um, and then obviously was transitioning to things like the Copa. But the the business acumen and the way that there there's a very poignant scene between Sam and Malcolm's um, argument in the hotel room that basically says almost counter to the to the Jay Z lyric like when he's like I get rich give back and that's the win win that's it, it, it's almost counter to what destruction are you leaving on the way to getting up and before you start giving back and the win win it was. It, I, I would be very interested to hear uh, from the group if you related to characters or you saw characters of the leading four characters in particular in 64 and kind of equate them back to modern day individuals or even your personal life. I was I related with Sam character what he was talking about. He was um especially specifically like you're saying like with Jay-Z just made me think about like someone like the the people who who decided like to step out um and look for that level of ownership like uh foundational um ownership and control um he's like the story that he started talking to about in the hotel how you know he had his uh one of his artists had this song um and then um what the rolling stones ended up doing the song and he ended up getting that check he's like yo you know we gotta we gotta find ways to you know eat off of our assets you know drive some type of income from our assets in in different um in different capacities and it's not necessarily selling out it's just kind of more an expansion so that you know maybe in due time we will be able to take back even more control or you know sam was talking about how you know um all of the billboards and everything is going to be together at a point and it's not going to be black and white top hits and things like that so um i was definitely uh see i can see i can understand like the jay-z um parallel nipsey hustle um just just that energy that energy of understanding like yo we're taking back control however this still is still a group effort uh uh necessary like there's the mass is still needed even though we know we're doing this for our people we know that all people are still our people but essentially for you know specifically the black community we got to take back some type of ownership however we still got to deal with some type of equality with it so you know that's how i felt about sam's character specifically though You're definitely dropping some jewels though and uh, maybe like open up because Malcolm, like it, it, it was a lot of extremes. I like the way that, um, you know, like maybe was saying there's like certain things were like put in, you know, category categorically to show like the extremes of each person's perspective. And I think you can take you can take like a really good por portion from each one, though. So, yeah, Sam's character, though, was definitely new age Jay-Z ish type of feel, you know, I want to expound on that as well. I, um, I really related to Sam's. I know that Mimi said that uh, Sam Cooke's character, she felt like he didn't want to rock the boat. And I got that a little bit, but I felt more like it wasn't time to rock the boat yet. You know what I mean? I felt like he was being more stealth, you know, maybe more strategic. Um, 
And I, I like the dynamic because it's just like nowadays. You have so many different leaders and everyone wants you to fight the fight the way that they fight the fight. But no one even knows if it's the right way to fight the fight. But we're so critical about the way other people are fighting, you know, that fight. It probably need to be more questions asked. We need to examine more strategy to make sure we're aligned and on the same page. And that's what I really identified in the film is I identified with the... Um, just the conflict of each man with himself. It's almost like, am I doing the right thing? You know what I mean? Or, or just the, the battles between friends, your friends, but you still have uh, different paths to the same goal. And so I think that makes it relatable to any age. Um, the year didn't mean anything. Once I start watching and start seeing those conversations, I could see me and friends having these conversations. And, um, and just to answer more directly who I relate with, I would say when I was younger, I probably would have liked to have thought I related more to a Malcolm, more say how I feel out in the streets, you know. Uh, and now I feel like I'm transitioning to more of, a, you know, let's own things. Let's change policies. You know, let's still, I mean, the young bulls are still in the street. They're still in there. And I appreciate it. And I like that energy and all. But it's like we got to we gotta do that. But we have to move differently as well. Uh, so, it was definitely relatable, and I, I can definitely say I related to more than one character. Um, and uh, oh, and the last thing, I'm sorry, Sam seemed like he had a lot of foresight. It wasn't about fighting the battle now, but um, you know, let's look forward and see how to how to maneuver from a business perspective and and hit them in the pockets. So, I want to bring in Don Treese and Alan both because I know and, and Todd too as well because I you guys do certain things in the community on I would definitely say with Don Treese and Todd on a nuanced level when I look at it I can relate to the seeing a, a bigger picture as Sam said in the movie Malcolm isn't necessarily seeing the long game Alan too I know when Alan is involved in a lot of things it may seem on the surface that Alan is, is more of the Malcolm side of the character but if you talk to him you know, if you really talk to, to what he's getting at, there's these nuanced strategic long games people are playing. It's interesting in the film. There, I think there's a particular line where Sam tells Malcolm, there's all of these layers of gray. It's not just black and white. But Malcolm really, at the point that he was in his life in 1964, being, you know, having at odds with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the nation, having FBI chasing him around. He was very black and white at the time. I, I, I want to bring Don Trees, Todd, uh, Allen in. It, is it a fair, was Malcolm's criticism of Sam fair? And was Sam's criticism of Malcolm fair in regards to the black and white versus the nuance? Uh, I think they were fair. I think um, what I think what comes out in the, in the beauty of fellowship that you see in that, um, which I think I wish we did more of is that advancement looks different, but each of those have those advantages. Each of them have their limits and each of them have their vices. A lot of people, as long as I have an advantage somewhere, will just say, well, I have a right to ignore my vices, which isn't necessarily true, right? Even with um, Malcolm X, right? After seeing what he saw what was going on in the nation, he was, it was easier for him to speak out and turn up on Sam Cooke than to speak inwardly and say, but this is a decision I have to make. And you see that tension when he's like, when it's like, yo, you're gonna, 
yo, you gonna bring Malcolm into this? Knowing knowing what it is, like the vice of that. And then and then with Sam Cook, the vice is you keep going, but but you always promise yourself it'll happen at the next level. And then you wake up five, 10, 15 years later, and you and you you never really did get to that point. Or be, uh, it only becomes more complicated to give back the farther that you go. And so it has to say like, and that, that was the whole thing with the Bob Dylan record, where it's like, now the way he said it was like, <laughs> you did not say that in a way that brother could have heard that. <laughs> but he's saying like, yo, Dylan doing this joint right now, you know? Um, and it, it, it got to that point, but um, I think it, I think, I felt uh, with Sam Cooke also is also this this crazy feeling of like what happens when you have black politicians that are doing these very cool um, radical advancing things, but then also when you're close to the pain of the struggle and you see the implications of those decisions um, and not having that thing because of what, whatever the, the landscape might be where they feel like, well, this is what I have to do right now. Um, it takes deep relationship to speak hard truths to people, but I feel like where movements hurt themselves is, as I like to say, telescopes and mirrors is, I'm, I'm gonna stop looking in the mirror and seeing how the vices of my way of advancement are hurting the community. Instead, I'm gonna just peer in the telescope and say, well, you're not this, you're not that, you need to be doing such and such. And so I think like, as long as people understand and are realistic about the limits um, of like, yes, Sam Cook's industry and things are doing like that. But if you're not pushing and using that infrastructure to really challenge, especially during those times, um, you know, like what was Sam, you know, if, if Sam Cook never did, you know, a change is going to come or, or things like that. Uh, I mean, I love his gospel stuff. Jesus gave me water. That's still a box. But I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, we have to push ourselves to be realistic about and not saying you need to be moving in my method of advancement. Say, look, okay, that's how you advance understand the limits to this, understand the vices to this, and let's have a fellowship and, and, be, and, and be willing to call each other out when we are leaning, when we aren't checking our own vices. One, one of the powerful things of the movement at that time was a reasonable level of commonality of the lived experience of Black people. That perspective was lost in that conversation. It was almost like, Malcolm and, and Sam are living in two different worlds where the argument is, don't you see Sam? Like the clear thing is we've got to do this to our enemy. Our enemy is the white people. So your perspective should be this. So surely you should be using all your resources to counter that enemy because that's the real struggle. That wasn't Sam's perspective. Now, every gig he showed up to, right? The gig at the Copla, he couldn't perform as his authentic self. Right. Every time he stepped on stage and tried to, you know, uh, be who he was, he was countered with the exact same limits that were put on Malcolm and every other brother that's in the film. So that's that common experience. But that wasn't the focus of that conversation. And we limit the progress of the movement when we lose sight of our commonality. We're all connected to the same ancestors. We're not going to flow the same way. We're not going to do it the same way. But when I knock you down because of how you do it, and lose sight of our commonality. Now I'm actually hurting the entire movement. And so it takes all of us in all the ways that we do it. And Cheats, you're absolutely right. Uh, I tend to be more strategic. I tend to be more long-term, but I try to balance that because I can't be so concerned about the long-term that I lose focus on the opportunities that are right in front of me. So I need to hold both of those perspectives together. 
but it takes all of us. We all can't be, fo- can't be focused on now. We all can't be focused on the future. We need a little bit of both. Uh, but I think in that, in that moment in the film, they just lost sight of the fact that we all come in, we all dealing with the same thing. When we step out, I'm black man, you black man. And if it goes down, we both gonna get hurt. I want to hear yeah, Don Trace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh what I'll say is I think uh they both needed each other. I think all four of them needed each other. I think the where they were in their journey helped each other. What I particularly love is that you know, I hold Malcolm X to such a high standard. Um, and to see how Ali, uh, Jim Brown, and Sam Cook talk to him like we talking to each other right now, like just as real as it could get, really put a perspective on me of how they were able to connect through their lived experiences although they were at different points within their lives to be able to come back. I mean, as much as Malcolm X was, was the focal point, I think, I also don't want to forget how powerful and level setting Jim Brown was. Like he was able to, Hey, Malcolm, come on. He was like this guy that was able to, to, to control the entire scenario and keep folks grounded. Um, but what I was really inspired by, and, and I encourage us to be the same, is that we be straight up and straightforward to each other. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're all fighting for the same things in terms of equality and equity across, across every dynamics that we can think of. But let's make sure we keep each other in the right headspace, right? Don't get too big for your britches. Like, you know, remember this and, and let's work together to do some of those things. Um, and so I thought that was important. And one of the things I do want to add to this, just because Amanda Gorman just rocked the world yesterday. <laughs> Imagine, I mean, Ali was 22 years old. And I'm a, I'm a Louisville cat. I grew up in Louisville. Like, that is my guy. But I never knew how young and how, um, you know, he was just playful, you know, jumping on the bed. He had all this energy, and he's knocking people out. He's the champion of the world. Um, and not really understanding how powerful at that time he was uh, until he walked out on that balcony and sided with Malcolm and announced his, you know, uh, um, uh, transition into, into uh, um, his religion. But the fact that we don't know when the world is going to call us to be leaders, right? We don't know when the opportunity is, is in front of us to be that next thing. Uh, and watching the Amanda Gorman yesterday, who I had no idea about, the only poet, poet laureate I knew was our man Rock, <laughs> who was our man Burnham's, right? Like, I had no idea who she was. And for her to be in this spot, to really take hold of that, you know, I urge all of us to, 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 to get into to, to the mindset that we are all leaders in our own space and we don't know when that time is going to be for us. We just got to go out and, and be ready to showcase when we get that opportunity. That's a good point. I wanted to bring in, there's an interesting part of, of that conversation. And, and I do think that Jim Brown 
And Eli Gore played uh, young Cassius, uh, later Muhammad Ali, uh, and did an amazing job. I mean, a flat out, I think he did an amazing job. I think I had to reevaluate the job that Will Smith did because I believe that Eli was so much better in the role and captured what you, what you were talking about, Don Trees. Is that Leslie Odom who played Ali? No, Leslie Odom played Sam Cooke. Leslie Odom played Sam Cooke. Eli Gore is a Canadian actor. He's a Canadian actor that played um, uh, played uh, young Cassius. And the interesting part about uh, that, and, I, and I'm going to get to the next question, but the interesting part about that is Regina King made it very clear that she could have had bigger names play these roles in the film but a lot of the bigger names refused to audition. They just wanted the roles. And as her directorial debut, she said everybody had to audition. So she was actually making a big leap with both the, the casting of young Cassius uh, in, in this role and Muhammad Ali, I mean, excuse me, and Malcolm X uh, Kingsley that played Malcolm X had actually previously played Muhammad Ali in another, in another film too. Very interesting, but he's a British actor. So he's an, uh, He's a British actor that played um, played Malcolm X as well. One of the things that I wanted to to, to ask, and I want to bring uh, Mintos in and, and Wayne, if possible, um, and Octane as well. There's a scene on the roof when they're out at the roof that, again, this was kind of in the heated. Um, they were really building the seeds of this kind of argument between. Um, Malcolm and Sam but it's interesting because on the on the roof there's a part where Malcolm looks no I think Sam might look at Malcolm and say you're the only one that doesn't belong here and Malcolm responds to Sam by saying you're the only one of this group that white people like (laughs) and so I'm really interested in getting some perspective um, like I said, Mentos, Wayne, uh, Octane, anybody can jump in. But of the, we look at them now in 2021 as all of them being these amazing pillars of humanity because they are. But at the time, you've got to remember, Malcolm was hated. Ali was hated. Jim Brown was pretty much hated, but he was doing us a service, right? And then there's Sam Cooke. Do you believe the way that it was kind of casted out there that any of them didn't belong? I'll say something. It's funny because I, one of the things I, I walked away from was I was really moved by the Malcolm X character, the Sam Cooke character. Um, and I wasn't, I thought the Jim Brown character was kind of, I, I didn't get it. I thought that was almost like a waste. Like, like he didn't have that much uh, in the movie, but I, but it's funny because Don Trees, you made a really good point that he was, he was kind of like this like low key like that dude in the group that just kind of like makes sure everything's okay. And, and now, now that you mentioned that, I, I get that and I see that. And um, so I, I appreciate that. One, another, another thing I just want to point out was, and I'm not trying to go backwards, but Cheats, you were talking about the black and white versus the nuanced approach. And when you, when you asked that, it made me think that like, that was one part that that was one thing that just resonated with me throughout the whole movie was how, in the mainstream, these guys are portrayed as like iconic and black and white. Like Malcolm X is like a caricature of exactly what you think he is. Cassius Clay is like a, almost a cartoon character of what, you know, like the way he's been portrayed 
through the 80s and 90s. But um, the, the, the different shades of gray is like seeing the humanity and seeing them like, like Malcolm X going on the uh, payphone to call his wife and have those, that time with his family. Like that's something that like, you know, it doesn't get portrayed in the, in the, in most of the, the, t the times that I see these characters portrayed. And so like, I really appreciated that in the same way, like um, to see, Cassius Clay really be on the fence. Well, when I grew up, he was Muhammad Ali. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like I didn't know him as, as Cassius Clay. I knew him as Muhammad Ali and all of the like bright lights, big character that he, that he was during my childhood. So to see him sort of have that moment where he's like, he kind of has to say, like, we've all been in that position where you had to tell your friend, I'm not sure if I'm on board or not. You know what I mean? Like I'm having some trepidation here. Like, like th there was just a lot of gray area throughout all the characters in the whole movie. And that was something that like, I really liked because I think it would have been really doing a disservice if they just sort of trotted out like the way we were sort of, you know, display their characters were sort of displayed in the past. Yeah, let me, and I want to pin back on that DJ because I think uh, you, uh, in regards to the Jim Brown character, because uh, he, he played more of a pivotal role when you look at it in the grand scheme of things. Remember when he drove and sat on the porch at that house? I mean, he was at the top of his game. He was sitting out front, and this guy was telling him how much they loved him and, and we'll do anything for you and everything so great, except he couldn't step in the house. That set the tone for the entire set of everything and how pivotal he was in the balancing of that, because he understood it from a perspective of they're using us to get what they need. We're only as good to them as what we produce for them. We're not even good enough to step into their own homes while I'm sitting on the porch and you're telling me, I'll do whatever, anything you need, Jim, anything you need, right. but you can't come into my house. When that scene, uh, when I watched it the second time and it came to that scene, just immediately, before he even uh, before the young lady called her grandfather, the first thing that popped in my head was, of all people, Kanye. Even if you're in a Benz, you're still a, in a coupe. Yeah, I'll just add too. Um, I think I think they all belong. I think that that roof scene was definitely uh, the most memorable to me. Because um, as we talked about, like, I think each brought um, something like a perspective that the other character needed just from their own, um, their own perspective and their own, the different spaces that each were in. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think the conversations they had, it was interesting to see, I guess, them kind of let their guard down with each other. Again, just talking about them being, um, you know, the, the, the powerful figures that they were publicly behind closed doors, kind of letting them guard their guard down to each other to have those, um, those honest conversations were interesting. And, and to even just the, the lighthearted part too, of them like eating ice cream together or trying to sneak, uh, you know, a couple of, couple of squibs of alcohol together and things like that was interesting to see. But then again, having the, the, the honest conversation so much so that it almost came to blows on the roof was interesting to, to see. But again, I think, I think, you know, with them talking about like, you know, you, you don't belong. I think they all belong because they each needed to hear what the other said. Um, and honestly too. Um, so it was interesting to see how they, they each kind of, um, I guess, accepted what the others were saying. And uh, it was interesting, I guess, um, some people have written about this, like how um, the, the, the events afterwards were portrayed, how the event, how that meeting kind of affected 
um, each other um, uh, moving on. Like I was like Jim Brown quitting football, going to movies, um, Sam Cooke um, uh, kind of writing more powerful music, uh, uh, Malcolm X finishing his autobiography. Uh, I think I think those, that, that timeline was a little bit um, different. It wasn't quite that way. Like when I understood that uh, Sam Cooke, um, you know, the song was released earlier that year, uh, things like that. And obviously Malcolm X um, was, that was a couple years down the line. Um, but I, th I thought it was interesting the way that was kind of portrayed in the movie about how the, just kind of uh, thinking about how maybe that meeting kind of affected their careers moving on uh, from, just from what they heard from each other. Yeah, to me, uh, really, that scene on the roof was really pivotal because I think it was like, like in the streets, it's like a G check. Everybody was like G checking each other. Like, yo, I'm, you, you trying to tell me about my life, but you got stuff going on with you too. You know what I mean? We know each other on some type of level. So I think at, at that scene with like Sam and Malcolm going against each other, it's like, you might've looked at Sam like he was wild at first. And then you look at Malcolm like, wait, hold up. There's something going on with you too. You know what I'm saying? And like, you're looking at, as soon as they get on the roof, um, Cash is like, yeah, it's trying to break the ice and be funny. As a, you know what I'm saying? Because he's young, 22, and telling everybody how Jim Brown's about to leave the NFL. But he's like, yo, you already spoken into existence pretty much. That's what I do all day. I speak things into existence. So you already said that. That's what's happening. So let's, let's get this conversation going. So I think that scene was really was really big. And I really think that um, that was a point in the movie where they all kind of like, started having these thoughts in their minds. And then when they got back into the hotel room, that's when everything else played out, you know what I'm saying? It kind of got heightened. And I think um, just to go back to what Mentor said, like you always have, you have those with your real friends, you'll have those conversations when, you know what I'm saying? You could feel it bubbling up, you know what I mean? And at first you're trying to fight it. And I think that's what Sam was trying, really trying to do. He didn't really want to have that conversation with Malcolm at that time. He wanted to party because it was a night for Mal it was a night for Cassius. He just became the champion, but he was like, nah, Malcolm was like, this is happening right now, and we're gonna talk about this. So I think that I think that scene was definitely one of the more important scenes in the movie. Let, let me bring in my, 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 my good friends KB and, and Frank, because there's something that's kind of going through the conversation that is different. Because in many ways, I think it was it was brought up in the chat, we've seen a lot of uh, actors play these these heroes, right? We've seen amazing portrayals of, of, of Malcolm X until Washington comes to mind. We've seen several portrayals of, of Ali. But let me ask um, uh, KB and Frank, because one of the things that stands out to me about the way that this film was done was that it really gave humanity to our heroes. And I don't know about you guys, uh, but I actually felt a little uncomfortable the first time watching it about even seeing the humanity of someone like Malcolm. Because every time I've seen Malcolm, he outside of you know some scenes in movies where he's with Betty and his family, because it's well documented how sensitive he 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 was with his family and how caring and nurturing. But Malcolm is a really one thing that's a, is, is a little interesting, and I had to look this up. Malcolm is a really imposing figure. Malcolm was six four, and 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 he would have been by far the most, uh, you know, the tallest. By far, Jim Brown might have been the stockiest, but but he was he was not um, anyone that you know, you know he wasn't a shrinking valid in any way. Not saying that this character presented him as one, but you never really saw a lot of humanity 
between the characters, even in a lot of prediction um, films of Ali. You saw Ali, you saw Ali that, you saw the Ali that Ali wanted you to see, right? You saw the young Cassius that Ali wanted you to see. And you never, you didn't really see, like you're saying, that 22-year-old young kid jumping on the bed and, and, and obviously his relationship with Malcolm. So I'm sorry to belabor that point, but I wanted to bring KB in. I wanted to bring Frank in, in a way, uh, anybody else. Did that impact your viewing of the film, that you see these iconic, kind of like you said, everybody that we've looked at as heroes in more of a human way, in a more of a, uh, a, a just a normal like them kicking it with each other way. Um, I could jump in. I mean, I think that uh, the way that it was set up. I mean, Malcolm was the oldest, right? Yes. If we if we look at if we look at if this was you know it was a fictional um, kind of thing that was put together, but he was the oldest. So they kind of used that, and it made sense because he was always pushing to all three: Sam Cook, Ali. Jim Brown, that you guys have these stages that you need to use to, you know what I'm saying, to push the movement. Um, so obviously this movie's taking a place where it seems like they're more or less kind of the same age. It's kind of how I saw it. Um, watching the movie, I, you know, I was kind of just like, okay, they're with them being the same age, but you know, he had, you know, Malcolm was kind of the leader in that regard, but and a part of it, it seemed like it was also showing that Malcolm kind of knew his time was coming up. It, they didn't say it. I felt like there was a part in the movie where him and Jim Brown probably talked and it, it, they didn't say what him and Jim Brown were talking about when Ali and Sam Cooke had went to the liquor store, whatever, wherever they went. But something was bothering. Something was burning with Malcolm where he was trying to he was trying to say some things to all three of them like, look. It's some stuff that's got to happen right now. But he wasn't saying why. You're like, why, why was it so burning to him? And I think Jim Brown played that part. Somebody else said, um, you know, he kind of prayed that, like, leveling it out. Like, look, man, kind of talk to me. Like, I, some, some, something's going on. But then it kind of black, you know what I'm saying? It kind of blacks out. And I think anybody who knows the story of Malcolm X, Malcolm X knew, knew what was coming. And I, th I think that part of it, wasn't put in the movie up front but i think that's why he was trying to push on those guys so much to say look it, it the time is now we got to make these moves now um so th that's where i loved kind of the where it made them just human you know what i'm saying that like it, it so it was kind of dope to see that that piece of it um the one thing that I love about it, too, is uh, that we don't talk about is all of these conversations were happening in a room. And I think this jumps back to what we're talking about, how it could come to now is being able to have these tough conversations with each other. But it's not for the world to see yet. Let us figure it out first. You know what I'm saying? Let us have the tough conversation and have the different views, bounce these ideas and different strategies off of each other and then take it to the next step. You know, Ali had issues with um, kind of learning that Malcolm was leaving the Nation of Islam. But what happened? Who did he ask to still walk out with him to go talk to 
reporters. Malcolm. Um, so, you know, it, it's just that message was also dope as well to see that because even the conversation where we can all sit here and talk, um, just taking it like, you know, listening to your people, you know, let's have these tough conversations with each other to build ourselves, but not make it look like we're divisive in the black community. Let's just talk about it first before we go out to the world and say what it is we're going to do. And I think the movie of having it in a hotel room or on the roof or whatever, and then they could challenge each other. I just thought that was definitely a dope way to say that that's how we need to move forward. We got to talk internally about things. We all have different paths we went through and we could disagree, but let's not put that out there until we figure yeah, out. How I we think let me, let me just, Dontrese, I'll let you go. And Wayne, I saw you you, you uh, tapped in as well. I just wanted to bring one interesting part about, about, about the timeline. So February 64 is when the fight takes place, right? It is true that the next night, the next day, uh, Cassius, actually, he doesn't declare Muhammad Ali. He, he, he says he's a member of the Nation of Islam and is Cassius X. Malcolm leaves the nation in March of 64. So think about that. This was all within like a two week span. So there is a very, very interesting clip and people were sending around social media quite a bit uh, of Malcolm speaking on a, on a, on like a, it's a, it's almost like a Johnny Carson type show. It might've been Dick Cavanaugh or something like that. And he's, he's kind of making that reference to look who they look, look who they tried out when they talk about black leaders, they're talking about athletes and entertainers. And Malcolm was actually, it was a actually, he actually had a negative response at the time. Fast forward to February 64, he knows that his time in the nation is coming up, and he's in this room with the most powerful athletes and entertainer in the world at the time, especially for the black community, and he's pushing them to do more. I just found that was so uh, interesting and ironic. But that timeline that you mentioned, Frank, about him knowing his time was up, he knew. Because, like I said, he had already made the decision by the time uh, Young Cassius had won the title. Uh, that 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 his his situation in the nation was was almost unattainable at that point. Uh, I wanted to, I know Wayne and Don Trees. I want to welcome Rich and Thad, uh, and I know I'm trying to monitor as many people in the room as possible. But jump right on in there, Don Trees, Wayne, uh, Rich, and Thad as well. If you if there's something that's already strike struck your uh, yeah. Yeah, and I just I just want to add to the conversation that's into the chat. Um, you know, when you ask us, you know, our perception or, or did anything change? Did we anything change in our mindset? Uh, I can't remember exactly the question, but it was the way that they were portrayed. Was there anything that that kind of taken away from us? And you know, I again, I, I grew up in Louisville. Ali was, was the man, and all of these guys were the men. And it goes back to the entire conversation. And, and Todd, you and I have talked about this. And Cheech, you and I have talked about this as well. The vulnerability that they show um, in this era of masculinity to where we have to kind of step back. And we, we have to portray this, this dominant male figure for everyone. Um, I'm sure all of you watched The Last Dance and some of the greatest times that I realized watching that was just how human Jordan was and watching this, the playfulness and the youthness and just the unknowing of Ali 
was something that I had never witnessed. And I, it was just weird for me to see him jumping on the bed like my son. But he's 22 years old, you know, and, and just the vulnerability of a Malcolm X and, 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 and all of it was something that I think it's important for us to, to remember that it's okay to be vulnerable, that it's okay for us to, to, to pull down our guards a little bit, to talk to each other, like Frank said, before we you know, kind of go out there, get everything together. But I thought that that was, was very interesting in the world now that we're in, where masculinity is, is, is being challenged and being questioned, particularly amongst Black Yeah, I was gonna add as well, kind of touching on the first question too, about how that relates to to now. Um, I think, you know, as we talked about earlier, like I think a lot of times, you know, the public looks to certain figures, celebrities as um, the voice on certain issues and kind of the defining voice on certain issues. So with that vulnerability in the movie, it was interesting seeing those powerful figures in that maybe they, they don't have it all it all figured out and they're still kind of figuring out what, which way they want to go. But, but um, as we talked about talking it out and, and figuring it out, I think behind closed doors, before coming out to the public with, with, with uh, what direction they wanted to go. And that was, that was very powerful um, to see, you know, that even though that these people, that these people, a lot of people looked up to, they, they were still kind of figuring out their path as well. And, but also trying to figure it out and willing to, to be vulnerable with each other to talk it out and figure it out which way they wanted to go. So, um, you know, I think, I think, again, you know, sometimes we, we hold up these figures to be perfect, but they're not. And I think that this movie showed that when, they, when the way they talk to each other behind closed doors. I want to bring in Thad and Rich. Uh, welcome to the group. And, and I want to ask you this, because there's a legitimate part of the film that we, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit. But there's this theme that being active in the struggle could potentially be bad for business. Um, I think they actually say it directly is is being active in the struggle is potentially bad for business. Fast forward it to 2021 and we see, you know, different levels of comfort between different uh, people with notoriety in regards to how active they want to be in regards to the, 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 the fight for human rights, equal rights, civil rights, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and you see different people taking different stances and different ways of doing things. Don Tracy brought up Michael Jordan. He's almost a case study and night and day and what he's doing now versus what he did when he was playing. Um, do you guys believe Thad and Rich, I definitely want to get you guys in, but anybody, but do you guys believe that act, like activism and the fight for, for the struggle of social justice, is that bad for business? Um, I think it depends on the business. Um, nowadays, well then, yes, but nowadays, if you look, the trend is, you know, Black Lives Matter. The trend is making a statement, we're on your side, diversity, unity, um, it's sad, but that's just the way it is. So you see more companies, as soon as you see one or two major companies doing that, uh, that's when you see everyone jumping out the gate. You know, Colin Kaepernick was villainized, you know, maliciously, and then Nike sided with him, and, you know, they released sneakers, and it's cool, and other companies are coming out. So I do think it can help, it can hinder your business, depending on your business. But if you can find nowadays in today's climate a company that wants to, that actually does care or either wants to perceive that they care and if you are linked with them or tied with them you can you can make it work um i think the the hardest part is actually trying to find someone who really um wants to make that difference sincerely but uh 
then sometimes I even wonder if that is even important right now. I know that sounds a little crazy. That's what you want, but it's like kind of like the Sam Cooke method. Do we need to get in where we fit in, make it happen, shake things up later? Uh, but but to answer your question, it, it all depends on the business. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It really does depend on your business. and <clears throat> But it, it also can hurt you nowadays because, you know, everybody's on either side, you know, of either Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or whatever the fuck you believe in nowadays. But I think, man, I think I... If you get more professional athletes on board, it'll become better. But <clears throat> in the long run, man, it's still always going to be a struggle. You know what I mean? It ain't it ain't never going to get any better. I mean, it. I don't I don't ever see the light at the end of the tunnel about that. I mean, these people still look at us as subhuman, and and that's it's really bad. You know, especially now. Um, I never was one for athletes for change or anything like that. I always thought that there should be leaders brought up, you know what I'm saying, that we could just, write, you know, help us lead in the community, you know what I'm saying, because at the end of the day, they're still taking white dollars and they're still puppets for their respectable leagues, you know. Um, I thought the movie was very powerful in showing that case, you know. Um, but... As far as that goes, man, I just I'm just tired of it all, man. I don't <laughs> when the companies with Black Lives Matter, I always think there's something else behind it, man. You know, they're trying to make a profit off of us by showing, hey, everything's all right. We got a black person here. You can come and spend your money with us. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't like that shit. So, um, Cheeks, I'll say this, that corporations, big and small, have learned how to monetize a movement. I was on a clubhouse a couple of days ago with the Herbal League, and I was saying, when it comes to the movement, we don't even really own it anymore, right? Nope. Business owns it. Marketing owns it. Um, oftentimes, our pain becomes other people's profits. So that's today, right? So somebody in the chat mentioned Nike and every other business. They put a BLM sign in the window to keep looters away and protesters away, right? Um, but in 1964, um, it was bad for business. So also to just to clarify a bit, when I was talking about class in the chat, Sam Cook's character had more to lose financially. He was the mainstream guy. And some of us and whatever our nine to five jobs is, sometimes we can't go Y'all may not go into your place of business with the Malcolm approach because you have something on the line, right? You yeah. have your quote unquote good job, your good government job or your good job and, and all of the accoutrements that comes along with that on the line. Um, but to a business perspective, corporations today have figured out that we our consumers, so they are. They have to play to us because they know the power of the the, the black spending power. So they got to go clean up uh, Gucci ads or H and M or any of these other um, major corporations that are not perfectly aligned locally. There is a group on Facebook that kind of outs white racists. There was um, a food truck operator 
who was the president of the Food Truck Association in Richmond, who was at the Capitol on the 6th. Well, guess what? People screenshot him. They found out where he works. He found out where he lives. He's gotten um, removed from his position over top of uh, that particular industry. So now not aligning with us is bad for business. But mm-hmm. 60 years ago, not so much. So you're saying it, as well, it, it kind of reversed. It, it, it's kind of like, like you're saying, because you make a very um, important point in regards to um, individual financials, right? And, and it's very nuanced and you have to kind of be almost really into boxing to understand the, the strength of the Louisville group at the time. Don Trace, you were from Louisville. Um, I don't know if you guys know the Louisville group, and it's alluded to at the beginning of the film, that the Louisville group isn't paying young Cassius to train for the heavyweight championship of the world so he can give his money to Malcolm X. And, and, and there's a scene in the film where, where you know, 22-year-old Cassius says, what did the Louisville group say? They said, I can do whatever I want with my money. So, I, so if I hang out with Malcolm, that's fine. But it's very interesting how this is all intertwined, right? Louisville group is actually the financial backers for uh, young Cassius all the way up until he wins the title and the nation takes over uh, his finances. You mentioned Sam Cook as, as actually being probably the most, uh, him and Jim Brown probably were the most financially stable. But the interesting thing about, um, there's another scene at the beginning of the film where they're setting this up, where Sam Cook's manager has to basically get his room in the hotel that Sam Cook, he had, he does. It's, it's, and this is, so Sam Cook is staying at the Fountain Blue, which is a pretty much white hotel, and everybody else, Malcolm, is staying at the Hampton House. But Sam Cook couldn't get that room in 1964. He couldn't get that room, and so it's it's interesting to see who's bankrolling Jim Brown's mm-hmm. films, Jim Brown films, and Jim Brown's NFL contract. Because there's another part of the film that says you're valuable as long as you're playing. So you're but- actually taking a risk by making those films. But, but it's interesting because these, what you're saying, it's just a subplot where Mm -hmm. all of the financial backing for a lot of this stuff is actually being provided in the system of white supremacy that these individuals are active. But think about the fact that Sam Cooke wanted to stay at the Fountain Blue versus the Hampton house. Called the Hampton house a dump. Called it a dump, right? Right. He had, he wanted the, the lifestyle. He wanted to live in LA. He wanted white women. He wanted, and these, and, and I, and I say white women as the only, I think sister that's here because white women are oftentimes looked at as a prize or a trophy. One of the other gentlemen said, but don't fault Sam too much for that. I like being a white woman every once in a while too. I think that was uh, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Yeah, yeah, Jim Brown. Right. Right, because the those things are status things to include the white woman. We only saw a little bit of a sister Betty, Betty, right? But there was a hit to that, and I caught that like, oh, the big cause, the fountain blue, and the white woman, and and that was that. These are aspirational things. you know, just as a sidebar, somebody posted a picture today of Kamala and her husband and said the come up. And I was like, well, which one came up, him or her? It, you know, what perspective are you going to talk to say this about? Well, which who came up? Because I won't check it for Doug, 
until you know we didn't even know the second gentleman's name until here recently no um so who who came up for real so again the women didn't have a huge part in it but the little bits that was in there was very telling about the time and how um we had been accustomed to believe what a ride looks like i want to i want to bring that in i definitely want to bring that in um because it, it's it's such an interesting perspective in regards to what i guess the outs like the outside perspective of what is expected of those four men and what is expected of even our modern day uh, individuals of no notoriety, especially ones that are in the fields like a, like a, a Jim Brown, uh, Sam Cooke, Young Cassius. We're, uh, I think, and I don't want to belabor the point, but I think DJ Mentos asked me early on, we make characters of these type of four individuals today. And it was really easy for me to say, well, Sam Cooke would be Hove and uh, LeBron or a Kaepernick individual could be uh, could be a Jim Brown and you know a Deontay Wilder or even a, a more outspoken Floyd Mayweather type uh, could be uh, Young Cassius type situation. I had a hard time trying to figure out who would be Malcolm today, but uh, I, I, I want to bring it back to almost to ask you, Thad, is, is it a fair criticism? Is it, well, is it fair? Is it a fair observation of what we expect from people that are the most notable people in our society? Is it fair to expect them to uh, be active in the fight for social justice? Or do they take the Charles Barkley approach of I'm not your role model? You know what I mean? I think it's yes. I think it's yes and no. Because um, everybody has a role. You know, I guess with, with, with a lot. I guess with accountability comes responsibility. If you have a lot, you, you you are responsible to do something. But your way of doing it might not be the way that he thinks you should do it. I think I said earlier, you know what I mean? It's us judging each other how we fight the same fight. You know what I mean? So, and like I said, I guess, you know, if, you're, if you if you are a celebrity, yes, you should, you know, be in front and, and doing some fighting. But if you're not, if that's not in you, you probably run into some wrong to make some mistakes because that's not in you if that makes sense yeah one thing i mean watching the movie it's like deeply moving to see how seriously each of the characters took their own responsibility you know as leaders in the moment given their respective deals they were all thinking about what their responsibility was you know in, in a pretty serious way and that was like the price of admission to the room Right. You know, and, and, and as the movie unfolds, you understand the deep respect Malcolm X actually had for Sam Cooke. And you come to understand, like, that's why he's pushing him so hard, because he sees what he's capable of. You know, and, and what's interesting, maybe compared to today, is like none of it is about brand or any of that. Personally, it is about career and self-preservation. They have to think about that. Of course they did. But, um, you know, I, I think you know, Malcolm's role is just so he had that moral clarity about what needed to be done and was willing to push hard, even though he had some blind spots too. He didn't give cook enough credit for what the, the degree he had already thought things through. 
Um, but but I, yeah, I think you know, fast forward today or to your prior question, you know, the space it's in now is, you know, I was reading something, you know, the, the, the King said basically about white people in 1967, which, which is whites are defining equality as reduction of atrocities. And African-Americans are defining equality as equality. And I think that's still where corporate America is. They don't want atrocities like I've been seeing the last year. That is bad for business. And protesting it is, is fine. But in terms of actual steps to actually change the power structure and the economic structure of the country, I still think not too popular, right? So, so you know, I think a modern-day Malcolm would be pushing harder on that. And so I, I've yet to see that. You know, but, but you may know better than me if someone's out there doing it, but I haven't seen it yet, at least at this level of space. Can, can I jump in real quick? Go ahead, Chris. So as someone that's actually out in the field and um, I've, I've been in the streets, I have relationships with people that are legislators and whatnot. Um, I have a hard time trusting celebrities in this space sometimes because a lot of them, just because you have a platform doesn't necessarily mean you have something to say. And a lot of them aren't even educated when they when they're out there uh, advocating for for things like they kind of just they kind of like ride the coattails of someone else, or or they're giving you conspiracy theories off of YouTube or whatever. Like they they just some of their resumes are a little more questionable. Um, we don't question a Colin Kaepernick because he was willing to give up his profession for for what he believed in. Um, even though LeBron James plays in the NBA, we don't question his resume because we see him actually doing the work. <clears throat> so. Um, like like the uh, the brother said earlier, like it's a yes and no question um, whether we we should be following these celebrities um, uh, collectively in activism because I've I've seen a lot of them in the street and I've also seen the stuff that they post on Instagram and the stuff they post on Twitter and, and sometimes it feels like they're just out in the streets for the Coachella picture but they're not actually on the street because they're down for the cause or they're they're they they have a they have a pulpit and they're they're uh, they're giving you false information. Or, or they're not giving you the whole picture. So it's kind of like Stevie Wonder playing quarterback. You know, you, you want somebody that knows where they're going with it. And, and uh, e exactly. Um, and, and that's why I have, a tr I have trouble sometimes actually uh, following and, and trusting celebrities to do the right thing with their moment. Um, th th there's very few of them. And, 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 and they even bring it back to hip hop. I mean, we saw over the summer that No Name and J. Cole were going back and forth and J. Cole said, hey, I'm not the most knowledgeable one at this, come teach me. But yet you saw him at every protest in New York, you saw him at every protest in North Carolina. You know, he, he didn't really have the resume, but he said he, he was out there for the cause. So sometimes they don't, the package isn't always put together. And that goes back to everybody has a role. You, you don't have to be Malcolm. You don't have to be Dr. King. You don't have to be Harry Belafonte. You don't have to be Sam Cooke. Like, I mean, there's space for everybody in that fight. I just, it's just when it comes to celebrities, I'm a, I'm a, little, uh, I'm a little hesitant about, about certain ones out there. Let me ask Isa Leo, uh, Source, and uh, if I can get KB back in. Did it feel more authentic? I mean, again, hindsight's 2020, so we have the privilege of knowing what, these individuals did throughout their lives. But did that passion for the movement, even though these are some of the most recognizable brothers in the world, did it feel more authentic then than you would say certain uh, entertainers and celebrities now? Uh, yeah. Oh, you go ahead. Yeah, he's. Um, I feel like... Yeah, back then it, it 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 did feel um 
Well, after after what you know, looking at the at the portrayal of what happened that night, there was definitely a lot of a lot of authenticity in their in their actions, especially how um, you know, it seemed like the change, not necessarily the change of heart that um Sam Cooke had because he said he was working on, you know, he started working on the song once he heard heard the Bob Dylan record, but um just to have the courage to, you know, put it put it out to the world afterwards, you know what I'm saying? That's a definitely genuine, authentic action. Um, you don't really get that type of insight into, uh, you know, what goes on in, in, into a lot of people's minds and stuff like that. So it's hard to hard to say what's, what's authentic and, and genuine and what's not, but it definitely feels like, you know, a lot of people back then that were putting out, putting those messages out to the forefront despite what uh what repercussions would come it definitely seemed a lot more authentic and genuine then because there was definite repercussions for you know you could lose your life or your or your livelihood today you know you have certain type of um cancel culture and whatnot but um there's also a lot to be gained from taking certain positions of uh of activism you know you could gain whole new audiences just from taking certain stances and stuff so it's hard to really gauge what's what's genuine you know what i'm saying nowadays that was it right there the end of the end of his statement was it yeah basically that's exactly what i was going to say go ahead bkb now i'm saying he 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 pretty much spoke on exactly what i was going to say like like it was definitely more authentic back then to me you know what i'm saying you don't know if uh, nowadays are you are you really down or you just doing it for the clout? You know what, what's your angle? Back then they had way more to lose. You know what I'm saying? To put themselves on the front line like that, they had a lot to lose and a lot to risk. So definitely more authentic to to go out there and, and do that back then. And not even just a lot to lose, not a lot to win. Facts. As an individual. Right now you can win big by being on a certain side. Back then. Your, your, your upside was small, but what you could lose was uh, endless, pretty much, you know, including your life. If I go back to uh, something that was said earlier, though, real quick, you were talking about the uh, comparison to Sam Cooke and Jay-Z. I feel like that's off because I think that's unfair to Jay-Z, to be honest. I think Sam Cooke, off the top of my head when you said it, I thought more of Wheezy, for real. Because I feel like if you sat down with him, regardless of what we see, what we hear, if you sat down with him and he was sitting with his friends, it would be more of a conversation like what Sam Cooke and, uh, and Malcolm X were having. I, 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 can, see, I can see the angle. I, I, I definitely, um, I, I resonated with, uh, with the whole scenario only because I felt like in some ways there was no scenario in which Sam was going to come out of that night winning. And Sam could give the scenarios of the Bobby Womack single and the Rolling Stones and owning his own masters and giving back and giving back. And there's parts of me now today in 2021 that feels like there's a part of Jay-Z saying, you don't see what I'm doing. Like there's no, but, but, there are people right now that will look at Jay-Z and say, yo, the Marcy projects are still there. 
Like, I'm glad you bought the Nets at one point, right? And you, you were there with the Barclays and all that. But Marcy's still there. And Marcy's still a project. So there's an interesting – I just saw this interesting parallel between, like, Jay-Z almost telling folks, like, look, I know, but look, look I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm trying to get in this, this area here and, you know, title and Rock Nation. I'm trying to give back. That's more like Jim Brown, thing. bro. It's, it's interesting. Brown. It's interesting because Brown – and 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 I, and and I know here's the thing. You know, this is a good point. I think you're right too, source, because it's a it's a bit of all of them, right? And it's not just it's not just Hov, right? It's it's but Hov was so focused, kind of like Sam was on that ownership piece. That was really really interesting. And you know, I, the the challenge I have just recent recent with with Wayne is, and we're talking about people trying to own stuff, and Wayne is selling part of his masters off, right? So it's just this interesting, it's this interesting dynamic. With that said, this is what I'm going to do. Gentlemen, it is going on nine o'clock. We have had a wonderful, wonderful, robust discussion about a, I think, a very thought-provoking film. And I want uh, people that are out there in Facebook land and anybody that shares it to really uh, engage with the film, engage with the questions, because it does take a, a lot of looking in the mirror in regards to what we're seeing in today's climate and what we saw in 1964. I definitely, definitely want to thank each and every one of you. I'm trying to look around because I know Thad came in late, uh, DJ Mentos, Wayne, Allen. As we wrap up, and when we do have to wrap up, I want to be wrapped by 9 o'clock. I, I just want some people to throw out some real, some final thoughts on the film and why it had an impact and why and, and what resonated with you as we close out? Golden, I want you to jump in. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, final thoughts on One Night in Miami. Real quick, uh, appreciate the, the, the movement, the, uh, the moment for this, Cheats. Um, all, all the men finished that movie differently than they started. Uh, and I think part of that was that moment they had together. So a big takeaway for me is the impact that that moment can have on what all of us do publicly. Um, I think about, you know, that performance, um, Johnny Carson type show to sing that song and kudos to Leslie Odom Jr. Because I, I didn't hear Leslie. I, look, I heard Sam Cooke, the brother killed it. Um, tears in his eyes. Like he, he presented that work in a way with a different kind of authenticity, I think because of that moment he had in the hotel. So I think for all of us, we exist differently in the world where we take advantage of opportunities to be who we are, be transparent, get in rooms like that, uh, that iron sharpening iron, making us better versions of ourselves. And then when we step out, I think we could be more authentic and be more impactful. So uh, grace and peace to everybody. This was dope. I would say uh, for me, the thing that, that, that will stick with me is just kind of the importance of dialogue. And that's something that I feel like we talk a lot about today, just with, um, you know, social media and uh, I guess uh, sometimes news being so uh, faction where, you know, people are only reading from their, their certain sources and not, and not really hearing the, the other side. Uh, just again, those figures taking the time to sit down and have sometimes uncomfortable conversation, just how uh, valuable that can be, uh, how maybe we need to do that uh, more often. Um, and uh, and just be willing to sit down and have those those, those conversations. Uh, I think that, that really really was gonna was gonna stick with me uh, from moving forward. Well, yeah, following. Um... Go ahead, gentlemen. 
Floor is uh, yeah. Follow, following what he said, man. I guess it's, um one thing I picked up was when the I'm not gonna say argument when the heavy conversations happen in the motel room. Every time somebody talked, I kind of agree with what they were saying, even when they was arguing with each other. Which means that's not really a correct or one right way to fight this fight that we got going on. So like the dude just said before me, man, it's all about dialogue and just having a conversation. Like somebody said earlier, but um that uh, you know, having the conversation, I guess, in the hotel room and then going out there to the press and then saying what you just, you know, fine-tuned in the hotel room. Like that's the way we really need to start doing stuff. But the move was good. The move the move was pretty good. Yeah, I uh one thing I want to say uh, real quick is that um, I understand we got social media and all that stuff, but like doing that again, doing doing what they talking what they had in the uh, in the hotel room, we can all agree with different sides. But you know when we always you know hear the revolution is televised, the plan wasn't. You know the the revolution was. Um, so we got to be strategic about what we put out there because we have social media nowadays and, and be understanding that we got to have some of these conversations internal. We got to have those conversations in the hotel room in Miami first um, before we put and, and let's, you know, have disagreements, figure out how we want to do it before we put it out there um, because we don't want everybody to know what our poker cards are. And I think that's the issues when we're talking about different companies using our movement, to better themselves because we, we put so much out. We share so much out now. Um, let's have those conversations internally first. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk about it as a people first and then figure out what we need to do going forward instead of showing all of our hands and then letting everybody else figure out how they trying to maneuver because this how we doing what we got to do. Um, and I that's what I took from the movie is th those guys, those four guys took that you know their different point of views and how they need to do it and was able to move from that you know what i'm saying outside the room but nobody knew what was going on inside that room um you you just took the impact of you know what they did moving forward so and and to be honest we still don't know what happened inside that room right so so it's a it's a fictional story based sure. off of r real events right. and obviously there's a lot of uh things that are that are they took kind of theatrical license on one mm -hmm. of the things that though that really did happen is those four men were at the hampton house they weren't they probably weren't alone but those four men were were at the hampton house after the fight in 64 they were all there and they were all french so i mean it's interesting that the fact that we really don't know what those mm -hmm. conversations were like uh mm -hmm. but but they but they were taking place um two more minutes fellas just to wrap up who's gonna put a bow on this thing um, Chief, if you like say fellas one more time. Thank you. Thank you for checking me, for real, because I, I do it. And because, Mimi, because I can't see. Look, look, I need you. I got you. I apologize, and you are exactly right. I, and, and with that, I'll make one point that I put in the chat about uh, how characters um, from the 60s overlap to real life today. The movement wouldn't be so isn't so masculine today. What I placed in the chat is that in the '60s, a lot of women were often looked at as the supportive roles to, you know, rub your feet, take care of the kids, have dinner ready when you got back. However, 
there was also another piece of the movement that just doesn't get a lot of play. Um, I, I recently just talked about the big six, which were all uh, was a collaboration of organization that were men led. But however, Dorothy Height is oftentimes forgotten about or a footnote or someone put in the chat, Fannie Lou Hamer. Today's movement, the Malcolm Kaveri B. R. Tamika Mallory. It could be the Sisters of the Black Lives Matter movement. The shift is changing um, in what leadership in general looks like. And so what I see, of course, I have a biased perspective that locally and national women are taking a charge. What's happening on our city council, what's happening on our school boards. There's women in local leadership and some of the other loud mouths around town where heels at. Uh, wear heels and take care of kids and, and still are supportive to brothers. So let's not forget that this movement has grown up and is gender neutral. And it does not mean that it will be three athletes and a minister today. And if it is, Jamel Hill will be leading the conversation. That's it. That's the last word. That's the best we can do. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for this time. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. I've That's it. We are out. I'm going to end the recording on Facebook. Boom.